0: All right. All right. Here we go. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. So I'm here with a friend of mine, Jeff, not his real name. He strangely wants to remain anonymous, although I must say that throughout history, no one's ever had any trouble being associated with philosophy. So I don't know what the story is there. But um, (laughs) uh, Jeff, great to have you with us tonight. Now, we've been working together for a while and you've um, done some wonderful things for the show. And then, uh, I'm sorry, because I, I, I work at home, so I lose track of time. So, so how long was it ago we had the COVID chat?
1: Oh, I think just a little over three weeks ago. But um, it's, uh, it was an interesting experience. You asked me for a thumbnail, and I didn't respond because I was completely unconscious, <laughs> nearly dying.
0: <laughs> Naturally, I blamed you. And asked you <laughs> where your commitment to philosophy was. And no, I'm just kidding. I didn't do any of that. I know and, and, and you normally we have a back and forth chat that's it's pretty quick and all of that, and you're usually very responsive. And so when I didn't hear from you, I'm like, okay, it is a pandemic, but come on, what are the odds? What are the odds? Turns out you did roll snake eyes when it comes to COVID. So uh just let's let's hear. Uh and, and you did agree to talk to people, take some questions.
1: Um Yeah, absolutely.
0: What uh what's the story feel free to start from birth work your way forward um but uh yeah how, how did it play out for you what
1: happened oh well my birthday is september 1st so that means you know my parents got together around new year's eve if you do the math so um it's an interesting start to the story um but if you want to skip ahead a little bit um, <laughs> okay fair enough uh yeah i uh i think i wrote down it was august 13th um i went to the gym at night which people might be like oh obviously that's why you got it i'm not totally sure because uh my gym was open for a little bit and they were doing this practice where they would just let like a single person in at a time and then clean up after them so you weren't really around many people and after hours they would just let a few people trickle in so i was at the gym late one night like i usually do and um i was at the end of my set and i felt fine until the very end in which like i just felt like somebody just you know put a, a giant weight on my chest and there was none there but so, um, so
0: hang on so so you got the symptoms at the gym but that would yes. mean that you got it sometime before i assume right
1: right right well i've been going to the gym but i don't think that's where i got it we can go into that but um yeah i just i started to feel it's 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 like a strange feeling almost like you're having like a panic attack or something like this is strange chest uh, chest pain and a little bit of tightness and uh, I just started to sweat more than usual. And I was like, this is weird. I should probably go home. So I went home and I felt fine. Um, wait, wait, wait. So you day, had the,
0: the the chest thing, right? So is that yes. just like you can't, you just can't get a good breath? You don't feel like you're getting solid air or, or what's that like?
1: Right. It, it it feels like, and I'm still, I still kind of have this to some degree that my lungs can't fill to capacity. They're kind of like, at, I don't know, probably like 80% now, which is still, you know, pretty good. I'm still going on runs right now. But at the time, it, it hit me and it was probably more like 50 percent. And, and it, was, it felt was it like, like a just,
0: slow onset thing or was it just like, <gasps> uh, you
1: it was like just, when it you're was wrestling with sad. your brother as a kid <laughs> and they just
0: sit on your chest like, <sighs> right?
1: Oh, yeah. You get the solar plexus punch. Um, no, it, it wasn't it wasn't like that severe, but it was it was it was enough to let me know that something was a little bit wrong and enough to send me home. And I was like, hmm, that's a little strange. So I felt fine, but then uh, the next day I was working from home and around noon I started to feel that same kind of tightness creep up on me. And, and it just eased up, so up. it came, and, yep. and what
0: was, I'm sorry, sorry to be too detailed, but I'm curious, so what was the sort of bell curve of the like it came on slow, left quick, came on quick, left slow, how did that work? Uh,
1: it was just like a gradual ramp up for me uh, after that, that first initial kind of heaviness like the, the night before I really got it the second day it just kind of kept creeping up and creeping up and you know sitting at the desk and you take a breath and you realize you can't totally breathe in and i'm like could it be could it be and then i started to get a good amount of fatigue over the next few hours and i was working on a big project so i was like i started to think okay i think i know what this is but i had to race against the clock and my body to get this project in and time and thankfully i did i hit send in the email i went and i'm like ah, maybe i should take a nap and as soon as i hit the bed i was there for 24 hours
0: Wow. So the fatigue is it like there's there's so many different kinds of fatigue um there's working mm. with me there's um <laughs> no there there is you know there's a physical fatigue there's mental fatigue there's emotional fatigue I mean right so how did it sort of manifest in terms of like how did you know okay this is fatigue what what kind what kind was it
1: Uh, Because it was like that weird, deep muscle fatigue, like as if you'd been running all day, like if you'd run a marathon or something like your muscles are just completely wiped out. It's not like a mental fatigue necessarily. But my whole body just felt like completely wiped out where I'm like, I know I need to lay down. And I was like, maybe I can just lay down for a minute and feel this out. And as soon as I was down, I was down and out.
0: Now, out, out, because, you know, for me, uh, there's almost nothing worse than if you get like food poisoning or something and you can't do anything, but you're, you can't sleep either. And not just, you know, you, your body doesn't let you sleep. Was it like out, out, or was it just kind of no. like that groggy, endless limbo time?
1: Well, initially I did go out out, but then I developed a fever and um, my wife came to check on me and took my temperature and it was uh, around like one three at one point. So once the fever set in, I was not sleeping. I, I was just delirious and I had this fever dream. Um, I work in film just for the listeners and I had a fever dream that I was producing a Christmas special of Pimp My Ride and Exhibit was acting up and it was getting just really contentious and it was... It was a nightmare. And it sounds like... And it is funny, but it was complete hell when this was what was <laughs> taking over my mind for like a 12-hour stretch. <laughs> was, so
0: who was, the, who was the performer you were dreaming about?
1: It was Exhibit, the host of Pimp My Ride. I can't believe you're not familiar. I, maybe they don't you, have You Pimp can't believe that a guy in
0: his 50s is not familiar with the host of Pimp My Ride? Really? <laughs> okay. Well,
1: you're down with the lot of stuff, Stefan.
0: Yeah, I guess I got hip hip to get hip to the new thing. Although Pimp My Ride is not new. Like, it's like... It's pretty old by now, right?
1: It's probably like 15 years old, so I'll send you some episodes. Sure.
0: That sounds, sounds like something <laughs> I'll, I'll get right into. Um, so was this uh, delirious? I don't think I've ever been delirious. I've had a couple of lucid dreams in my life. So delirious is like, is it totally vivid waking dream? Can you control it or, or what's that?
1: I'm surprised you haven't had that. Um, like Just like a fever dream where you're like, you, you can't exactly sleep and you're just in that limbo spot between being awake and dreaming. But you also can't really control your thoughts to any degree. So I've gotten that a few times, just like having a super overactive mind when I'm trying to sleep. And you just end up laying there, not totally in a sleep state, but just, you know, just imagining insane, insane stuff.
0: <laughs> right, right. Okay. Uh, just out of curiosity, was do you have any relationship to the host from... <laughs> Am I right?
1: <laughs> I do not, but now I feel like I should seek him out. I, I worked with him for so long. It was. It oh, was, yeah, yeah. Like I feel production. like he owes you a paycheck, <laughs> even if it's just
0: a fever paycheck. Okay. So you were kind of knocked out for 24 hours with kind of intermittent sleep in the middle. That's right. Did you get like the sweats? Did you get like anything else that you know of?
1: Yeah, I had major chills. I had like major uh, muscle legs. And um, one of my friends, like a month before I got it, actually had COVID. And he was telling me the worst part about it was just that you can't get comfortable, and you uh, you're just totally like in pain in any position that you're in trying to sleep. So uh, that was that was also a tough part of it. But um, yeah, and that's actually, because
0: of the muscle ache. Yes,
1: yeah, so it's, it's just like it's crazy all over your body. So it's uh, any position that you're in is just the most uncomfortable you've ever been, <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't move too well. Um, so it was a little rough. For a bit there.
0: Wow. So, um, was it like sort of mid afternoon on the day you were working and then through to the mid afternoon the following day?
1: Correct. Um, I think around, well, I, I probably passed out around four o'clock the day that it really set in. The next day, probably around one or so, I was able to sit up and, you know, barely just eat some soup. And um, that might have brought me back to life because about an hour and a half later, I was moving around and watching TV on the couch and stuff, so I was able to finally move. But before then, I couldn't move at all. Really,
0: I'm, I'm guessing the first show you tuned into was not Pimp My Ride, but um, so <laughs> oh when, when did you have like the old man after a dental surgery dribble soup thing, or were you fairly robust in, in eating?
1: No, I, I was. I went right back to the beef soup. Got to uh, replenish. Right. Right. Okay.
0: <laughs> So th- then that's that's your first day, right? First day is like, oh, I think I feel a little, and you crash like a lumber. Right, right. And then you got your energy back a little bit. And and was you, how was your breathing then, like after the, the sort of 22 hours?
1: Um, thankfully, I never got super terrible respiratory symptoms. Uh, I never got the sniffles. I never got the sore throat, mm. um, the cough or anything like that, really. I just had the heaviness on my on my lungs. And I still kind of have it, like I said. But um, the the day after was probably I was probably at 60 percent or so capacity and now 80 percent. So I'm not totally better. But like I said, I've been able to work out every day. Um, It hasn't helped me back a tremendous amount, but it is annoying, especially not knowing if it's long term damage or what the deal is with it.
0: Okay, so what happens then after the 1 p.m. of the second day?
1: Um I just sat around the couch the rest of the weekend because uh it hit me Friday so the next two days I kind of sat around Monday I was back at work you know online obviously quarantining myself but um I quarantined for 10 days probably felt the same throughout the entire period where I just had uh heaviness on my lungs and um then I was able to go back into the office and everything like that and work on shoots but it's uh it's still just just lingering a small amount but it's it's nothing I could really complain about at this point
0: okay so um during the quarantine you were able to work you said you were able to exercise so it wasn't knocking you flat but you know i mean have you had the flu before can you compare the two
1: i have um if it was similar in in a lot of ways but i well it's hard to even call because people have such different symptoms you know so a lot of people get vomiting and diarrhea i didn't get that But of course, like the fever and uh, chills and all that kind of stuff is very flu like. So it was it was similar in that way. I had H1N1 actually, and H1N1 kicked my ass for probably four straight days where I thought I was going to die. And in retrospect, (laughs) somebody should have carried me to the hospital. But um, that didn't happen. But H1N1, for the record, was much worse than this.
0: And did H1N1 have that lingering thing that you're having? Or was that mostly, you know, one and done kind of thing?
1: Um, I can't really remember because it was like ten years ago or so. But so I gave
0: um, you brain fog too. Not getting on it. Right. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, that that was actually one thing. Uh, I talked to you the day after I got really hit with COVID, and um, I was just really blitzed out. <laughs> oh yeah, and
0: you you promised to send me an enormous amount of money, uh, and no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Oh yeah, I
1: already <laughs> had that packed up. That's <laughs>
0: right. I, I'm pretty sure I have a recording of it somewhere. It may not sound exactly like you, but it sounds like me pretending to be you for greed. Um. So sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, that would that was it for the uh, the flu thing. It was, it, like I said, H one N one, very rough. But maybe I'm just a uh, like a pandemic groupie. I just want to catch these things. I don't know. I, I honestly I um, was surprised that I had the symptoms that I did for COVID because um, you know I'm, I'm very healthy. Like. I'm really into nutrition. I work out all the time. So I was honestly not too worried about it. I was being cautious. Um, I'm not like an anti-mask person. I wear my mask wherever people want me to, um, and around my coworkers where I don't know where they've been. Um, so I am cautious, but, um, we kind of got to a point. If you want to go back a little further where we thought that it was okay to do stuff like go to the gym because starting off, um, Back in January, I was I was the chicken little of my friend and family group where I was saying, hey, this is going to be a big deal. Like everybody needs to go stocked up on supplies. Um, the stores could be empty, blah, blah, blah. And um, it was kind of funny because like everybody in my, my office, I, I said this in the meeting a few times and they literally laughed at me where I was saying, hey, go get some supplies. Like if you don't have like a few weeks worth of food, you should probably jump on that and go get something. And they're like, <laughs> OK, all right, Seth. And um, it was it was funny because, you know, got to a few months later and uh, they're way more into this than I ever was. Uh, it's just it gives credence to the, the whole media virus term, which, you know, it's not something I agree with. Obviously, I got it and it's real. But um, a lot of what's going on is in people's heads in the hysteria, I think, unfortunately.
0: Right. Right. OK. OK. Now, uh, did it spread to anyone else that you know of? from you?
1: Um, I'm not sure from me. Um, there's there's somebody who works under me who got very similar symptoms after I interacted with him. And I could say that was from me, but I'm not totally sure because uh, a lot of people in my office actually got it around the same time. So um, and we were all tested. So um, another strange thing about that is a lot of people were showing, you know, mild symptoms and they would get tests and it would come back negative. So everybody's like, maybe you should go get another test somewhere else. And then it would come back positive. And some, uh, one person in particular had the worst symptoms besides me. They got two negative tests and I'm thinking there's no way they didn't have it. So I was pretty confident in testing before, um, I got it. And before all these people I know were tested, but afterwards it's just, it seems like crapshoot i i can't remember the false negative rate um i think both are kind of high up there since the test is sensitive
0: yeah i mean they're testing for antibodies and it does seem like there's a lot of false positives and false negatives and did you get tested what happened with that
1: i did get tested um i just got the nasal swab thing uh my wife got it as well it wasn't too much of a big deal i didn't think um, but maybe I just had a, somebody administering it who was good at what they're doing because I've heard people complain about it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, my my uh, daughter has announced that she would uh, uh, rather shuffle off this mortal coil than get something jammed up her nose that far. So you can <laughs> basically see through time with your inner eyeball. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yours came back negative. Is that right? Uh, that was positive. Oh, yours was positive. Yeah, and when did you get that yes. back?
1: Um, I can't remember. I got tested the Monday after um, I got sick. So two days later, they got it to me.
0: And so now it's been three weeks, right? And you've still mm-hmm. got a little bit uh, diminished. What's your capacity at at the moment?
1: Um, around 80%. Um, I go running every other day, and the, the days between that, I work out of the gym. So um, the runs are a little bit more difficult, but I can still pull them off, just not to the degree I could before, but... With a lot of this stuff, I'm not really sure how to compare it to just a regular flu just because there's so much information coming out. People are monitoring it so heavily. So I, it's, it's hard for me to judge it against a regular illness that people don't pay as much attention to, if that makes sense.
0: And of the people that you knew who got it, where did your symptoms lie with regards to everyone else?
1: I had it the worst somehow, and maybe that's because I never get sick, but, um, yeah. never get I, I don't, sick? I, you
0: just gave me 3 health sent Chinese viruses that made it all the way up your ass,
1: so. on <laughs> 10 years apart. <laughs> oh, okay,
0: okay, that's fair, that's fair.
1: So, um, yeah, I had it the worst of anybody that I know. One person had pretty close to me, but the freaky thing is, um, most of the people who tested positive that I know didn't have any symptoms at all, which, you know, holds out from the data that we have, but, uh that's a little freaky
0: and have you talked to a doctor or do you have a way of sort of monitoring your symptoms going forward
1: i don't um and i haven't but it's funny um i'll just say i live in georgia and it's been open for quite a while here um the the medical facility that i went into uh, I, could, I could just tell like they didn't really care about <laughs> safety measures, at least to the degree of people like in my office where they're super paranoid at all times. And I understand for some people, but um they just weren't really taking any precautions. Like they're just getting right up in people's faces. Obviously the waiting room is full of people that are probably sick. And um, I asked them and I said, are you guys not worried about this or have you had to do tests regularly? And they were They said, no, nobody in here has gotten it. We're not really worried about it. Either we've gotten it and we didn't have any symptoms or we don't know. But basically, nobody here gets tested. So at the medical facility, they they seemed the least worried about it out of anybody I've come in contact with.
0: Uh, These are the people making the TikTok videos. (laughs) Exactly. And what are your, I mean, now that you've had the brush with the China virus, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, you've gone from, you know, Mr. Super Cautious to, you know, you know, worst case scenario, you've had it and so on. And what are your thoughts sort of with the before and after scenario regarding the virus and lockdowns and concerns and fears and all that?
1: Um, Obviously, I I have a grudge with China, not the biggest fan. (laughs) But um, it's, uh, I I mean, I was, I was cautious about it, but I was never paranoid. It's it's weird. I've seen a lot of people have a, a lot of I don't know, it, like a new type of neuroses pop up. And I think that's what the mask is for a lot of people. It's kind of like an anxiety management device. Hmm. Um, I was talking to one person and uh, in the middle of a conversation, uh, they had their mask down around their chin and they would pull their mask up and then put it down and pull it up. And I kind of joked around and I was like, oh, do you, do you feel COVID in the air or something? And the person was like, oh, well, I felt a scratch in my throat. So no. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> I'm not, not sure that's, that's how, not it how it works. Once you've got but the scratch I... <laughs> in your throat,
0: it's right. uh, it's a little too late to be masking up. Yeah, it's funny. Again, I was I was hiking the other day, and there was this older couple who, you know, t- we were hiking. It's it was it was really windy too, right? So mm-hmm. hiking in the woods, trees are blown back and forth. And as they walked past my wife and I and my daughter, they put their masks on. You know, kind of stepped to one side, and then. Uh, let us go by. And then they took the masks off and kept walking and all that. And listen, I mean, right. I'm not in that... Man, I guess I'm getting there. It's birthday month. But I'm not in that age bracket where I'm, you know, staring the grim reaper, reaper straight down the scythe if I get COVID. But nonetheless, it just seemed to me like, you know, it's, it's windy. It, we're outside. You know, this isn't a laser from space. You know, it does actually have to... Travel usually in enclosed areas. I think as last I read, I don't know what the latest date is. Last I read is like outdoor transmissions are virtually non-existent. Right. But again, I mean, if the, you know, I sort of hate to say if if that's what you need to get out and have a hike. In a sense, more power to you. You know, like because it, it's better than, uh, you know, I mean, the ideal is to recognize where the real risks are and and work your way around that. But part of me is like, okay, well, it, it's better than sitting home because you're afraid to go out. You know, if the mask gives you the thing where you feel you can go out and get on a hike and get some exercise and some fresh air for the most part. So yeah, that's reasonable. Um, but yeah, there is definitely a lot of uh, invisible ghosts in the air, but here's the talisman to ward them off. It feels almost like voodoo sometimes.
1: Exactly. And it's uh, it's really bummed me out. Honestly, more than anything are the designer masks. If you've seen those in Canada, uh, everybody has them here. Like they'll have masks to, to match all of their outfits and uh that just signals to me oh this isn't going away you know I like to wear the disposable medical masks so I, I feel like this is going to end at some point but nobody else I don't think really feels that way or at least acts that way
0: yeah I have to uh I have to always wonder if you know you see the woman with the big you know smoky eye voodoo makeup above the mask and you just wonder if you if you if she would take the mask off if she's just like pasty pimply <laughs> dry cracked lips you know and there's no makeup below the mask line it's just all void and and au natural so to speak i wonder about that I haven't seen anyone uh uh but yeah it's funny how burka like we've become relatively uh quickly and and still even now it's like uh well you know but there's there's been a, an upsurge in cases so we're locking everything down again it's like You know, that's not going to work, right? At some point, you got to take off or land the plane. But this bouncing stuff just has you go off the end of the runway and
1: crash. Right. But what do you think? Do you think this is just going to go on perpetual? I mean, if there's a new mutation that is of equal strength next year, we'll just fall back into this, it seems to me. What do you think?
0: Well, it's a coronavirus, and we've been living with them for tens of thousands of years, and what's going to happen is yeah there's they they're going to i mean there's going to be some level of i don't think herd immunity exactly because particularly for those who have very mild symptoms it doesn't really the antibodies don't stick around for very long at all and mm-hmm. oddly enough a lot of cats like more cats are getting it than than people thought so i think that there isn't going to be you know this big giant wave i think it's going to tamp down but the economic harm is is absolutely brutal for people and uh it's bleeding people of of resources like people are just living off savings or or moving back in with their parents which is kind of bleeding off their resources and so on but what's going to happen is there's going to be flare ups it's just going to and there's going to be little lockdowns probably more locally but this big social lockdown stuff i mean First of all, in America, coronavirus is going to get magically better if Biden wins. Like that's a guarantee that's a guarantee. <laughs> There's no yeah. question of that. We've turned a corner. It's a Christmas yeah. miracle. The China <laughs> virus is no more because, you know, daughterhead is uh, is in the white House. um so uh, but but in terms of the actual reality, it's just it's added to the, the deck of cards, you know, like we got the mm-hmm. deck of cards that you got to deal with every year. You got your flu, you know, maybe a little bit of measles, maybe a little bit of mumps. Uh, and uh, I think in Lake Tahoe, they just discovered that the fleas are carrying the bubonic plague. And, you know, I guess that that's just so 2020, I don't even know what to say. 2020, it's the new 1020. <laughs> so it's just it's just going to be part of the deck of cards that you deal with now when you're young like you're a young guy right so when you're young you, you don't have to deal with anything right you know almost nothing right you say you get a cold every now and then you get maybe you get a flu once every couple of years or whatever But you don't really have much to deal with. And you get a little bit older. You have to be a little bit more careful. You get your deck of cards like, hey, my knee hurts. Hey, my back hurts. Hey, my elbow hurts (laughs) because I played tennis for more than 12 minutes and and all of that. And that's not really illness. That's just sort of aging stuff. And then you got the deck of cards. Uh, I haven't had a cold in a while because we homeschool. So that's kind of different. I haven't had a flu in like over 20 years. I think I've only had one or two flus in my life. So I don't really worry about that too much. It's another sort of perk of working at home and so on. And so, right. you know, we've got this card. You shuffle it and you you deal it out. And then eventually, you know, you you get more and more escalating cards as you get older. And then eventually you just get that big, giant black card, which they put over your face and put pennies on your eyes, you know, and that that's it, right? So this hmm. is, to me, COVID is just another coronavirus. It's a nasty one for sure. And it seems to have some, not for young people like yourself, but long-term damage for for some people and so on. So... I think it's just going to be part of the cards we deal with. And I don't know that masks are going to last forever. It could just be one of these things that just kind of gets in there and sticks, you know, like men used to have all these really cool fashions, uh, you know, like, I mean, you look now and they look like, you know, Freddie Mercury's florid cousin uh, matched with the Elton John, the really florid <laughs> costumes and all of that. And then it just became, you know, the, 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 the wheel spun around, wheel spun around, and then it just kind of rested on a uh, suit and tie. <laughs> What could we do that's even more uncomfortable than uh, an 18th century barrister's wig with fleas in it? I know, something that half chokes you throughout the day, and every time you turn your (laughs) head, you just behead yourself a tiny little bit with skin rashes and chafing and so on. So that just got, that's just sort of where things settled, and that's kind of where they've stayed. So it could be, you know, like when I was in Hong Kong last year to uh, shoot my documentary, there were, you know, masks everywhere. Now, this was just before COVID. I like got out right in time, so to speak. But that was based on SARS, which was, you know, coming on for 20 years ago, you know, 17, 18 years ago, right? And so that, that just became the social statement it just kind of got stuck you know the wheel spins and it just gets stuck so the the mask stuff it just kind of got stuck and i'm not saying that's for the worst or whatever it was but you see this of course with lots of people from uh, east asia that there is just this mask habit and uh you know that i think that comes out of of uh, SARS, uh the sort of 0203 SARS, and it just stuck now maybe this this mask thing is just going to stick like it's just going to become the new normal which i don't know man it's not it's not it's not how it's not how i want to live it's not how anyone wants to live right
1: i think some people do people who want to hide themselves away the people that are wearing masks before this i'll just say that
0: (laughs) well and and the other thing too is if i get any more bad press it's like yeah the mask could actually be kind of helpful i'm going to get chased (laughs) down the street by a bunch of leftists right
1: yeah just get a nice wig
0: yeah, yeah. well, the the wig could do it too, but I would, yeah, so I, I think it probably, it, it's got a good chance of just settling into this because it's not, there's no end scenario. I mean, okay, well, they say, well, we're going to get this vaccine and, you know, it takes 10 years to produce a vaccine, 92% of them fail, and even if you take a regular vaccine, there's a lot of negative effects for actually a surprisingly high number of people, so... You know, maybe there'll be a vaccine, but man, that would be the very first vaccine for coronavirus that's ever been developed that I know of. And of course, mm. back I guess you were just knee high to a grasshopper, but back when I was a young man, uh, and, and AIDS uh, came along, HIV came along, and uh, oh yeah, we're going to have a we're going to have a virus. Uh, uh, sorry, we're going to have a, 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 an antivirus. We're going to have a uh, vaccine in a year or two, and you know, it's like thirty years on, and uh, well, nothing, right? So this thing does seem to be a really bitchy shapeshifter when it comes to nailing down. The antibodies don't seem to last a long time, except for the people who have it really hard. Uh, And it is one of these just, it's a nasty thing because SARS at least, you knew you had it when you were like face down in the gutter. Like when you just simply couldn't get out of bed, even with like a spatula Mm. and and a jet ski, you just couldn't get out of bed. And so it was really tough to spread. But this thing, it just kind of hangs around for the ride. Uh, you know, like you see all those Indians on a train going through uh, the the hot weather. And this thing just hangs out and it sprays out. And and then, you know, after it's gotten a bunch of people, it's like, okay, we're going to give you some symptoms. So that is really a strange situation. I mean, I said this back at the beginning of April, like, let's just go back to normal. I mean, I'm fine with the masks, you know, back then we were still but it's very, very clear now that, you know, by some calculations in the States, I'm sure you've heard of this too, like, 10 times the number of people have died or gotten seriously ill because of the shutdown because right. of the shutdowns so and this isn't even counting mental health this isn't even counting you know the fact that uh you know mental health issues have doubled in some region people's anxiety is very high and right. so you know the the brutality of this lockdown has been really rough. And what is it, South Dakota and Sweden, they didn't do much at all with regards to this, and they seem to be weathering it pretty well, so.
1: Oh, man. Well, my wife works in public health, and this is driving her absolutely crazy, because you see a lot of areas where they have the same lockdown procedure that New York has, and they have no cases, and suicides are outpacing the actual corona deaths. So it's uh, it's really rough. And if there was any time to have a public health campaign to tell people, hey, if you don't want to get sick, uh, maybe, you know, start working out, practice good nutrition, lose some weight and you'll lose most comorbidities that would actually lead to your death with this thing. (laughs) But if if they don't even do it at this point, it seems like, you know, they're just checking political boxes and it's not so much about saving lives
0: yeah it's it's a funny thing right i can't remember the number but it was something like the cdc was saying that if you take out comorbidities like a grand total of like 11000 americans have died from covid and then you just think about all the people who aren't getting their cancer screenings who aren't getting their regular checkups who aren't able to visit a dentist for basic tooth cleaning and you know you get too much bacteria in your teeth you swallow them they can go into your heart valves and do some serious damage mm-hmm. and i mean just the list just goes on and on like health Healthcare isn't just there for, you know, hangouts and and fun. Like it really does, this preventive care really does sort of help save lives. And people just aren't getting this stuff. They're bored. They're turning to drugs. There's more abuse. There's, you know, more depression, anxiety, as you point out, suicidality. And, you know, the problem, of course, is that it's pretty easy, although obviously a little dicey sometimes, but it's pretty easy to measure a COVID death, right? I mean, if somebody's got big comorbidities, they get sick and they die relatively quickly, you know, Probably got a lot to do with COVID plus comorbidities, right? But right. the problem is, of course, you know, some guy who didn't get his cancer screening, who you know, three months from now notices he gets cancer. That's not going to go. That's not going to go on the lockdown column, because you can't trace that stuff, right? You, you mm-hmm. can The COVID column is like boom, boom, boom. It's like prisoners marking off, you know, those one, two, three, four, scratch out. Like how many days I've ever been in lockup. So the in the sort of double entry bookkeeping of COVID versus lockdown. COVID numbers are showing up like fireworks and the the numbers on the lockdown in terms of like what's dying, who's dying from the lockdown, they're estimating. And again, it's 10 times the numbers in, in a lot of regions. That's just not showing up. And and that's just part of an unfortunate lack of education that people have in these government schools where, you know, the whole point of having a civilization or having half a brain is to say, forget about the visible, you know, forget about the visible benefits, look for the hidden costs, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the visible benefits, sure, I mean, without a doubt, you know, the lockdowns are reducing the spread of, of colds and flus and coronaviruses and, and COVID, of course, yeah, no question of that. But, you know, what's the minus? Well, the plus is, okay, so you've reduced them for now. But if this just goes on and on, if a certain amount of water just has to get out of a bathtub, you know, whether you do it all in one go or you do it like drip by drip by drip, I mean, it's the same amount of water, It just one takes longer and one takes shorter. And they're just doing this drip, drip, drip thing. And I think that's just because people aren't used to looking for the other side of the coin, so to speak. They're not looking for the hidden stuff, because that's all about economics and philosophy and all that, you know, like oh, the government's spending uh, $5 million to create 50 jobs. Yay, we're up 50 jobs. And nobody thinks about the, you know, 250 jobs that could have been created if the government hadn't taken that money out of the hands of taxpayers and entrepreneurs. So looking at the visible stuff, that's all people can do is they can look at those COVID numbers, they can look at the lockdowns, they can trace when the numbers go down. But what they can't do and what they're not trained to do, which you really do have to train kids from pretty early on, is to look at the stuff that's not obvious uh, and and try and take that into account and be willing to grit their teeth and say, yeah, I mean, the lockdown, without a doubt, it slowed some things down in, in a lot of places. You can see because Sweden spiked pretty pretty hard, right? Mm. But uh, now they're doing a lot better. And we're just not a kind of bite the bullet kind of culture anymore. We're like, we've got to minimize the suffering. Gotta Well, we've got to minimize the visible suffering. That's like the big right. thing. Exactly. These days, Nobody right? wants
1: to make adult decisions on any level. And like you're saying, there's all these invisible consequences like... Uh, I think it was 20 to 35-year-olds report. Uh, Well, there's 25% of them said that they now had uh, suicidal thoughts and they didn't before the lockdown. And that's a group that's not at risk. And uh, that's that's an invisible consequence. But since it's not headline news, nobody really has to even address it. It's just anything that's addressable and important, mainly for the re-election, I think. Maybe I'm a little pessimistic there.
0: Well, it's a funny thing, too, because people like you and I happily married to a large degree working from home. Well, I didn't used to work at home quite as much, but I do now (laughs) for reasons we don't have to get into. But, you know, I I think about being a, you know, uh, hormone humped up young guy out on the prowl looking for dates and girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, I already have the love of my life. I got a You know, somewhat unstable but fairly decent career, and I get to work from home, so I have a lot of choices. And I'm also not out on the prowl. Sorry, that sounds rather sinister, like with a bag (laughs) and a windowless van and a bottle of chlorophyll (laughs) or something. But um, I'm not out there. But when I was a young guy, and it would be like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go to three discos in a night just seeing if I can uh, pull pull the number of a hot honey or something. That's a really different situation for younger people now, and. Um, it's almost like there's been a giant recession in the dating market and, you know, like if you graduate in a recession, that that um, income lag kind of trails after you like you're dragging a body uh, for the rest of your career for a lot of people and I just, this whole dating thing, I mean, I like the fact that it's become a little bit of a less of a Tinder-based society, you know, people are a little bit alarmed about that stuff which I think is right because, you know, COVID hits your lungs but that stuff really hits your balls and your soul after a while and, I think that for the younger people who aren't settled down, who, you know, maybe don't have any savings, who don't really have much of an option to work from home and so on, it's pretty, it's pretty harsh. You know, I mean, it is everybody's life this whole, most of this year, like everybody's life has been on hold. For you and me, when we saw this in January, it's, I started back then, and I think you started back then too, from what you said. But, you know, that's a long time. And at some point, you know, the dam is going to break, you know, at some point, it's going to be like, you know our our forefathers stormed the beach in normandy they they stormed dunkirk you know they they did what was needed to do like maybe i can get a you know a, a bad flu or whatever you want to call it and again i know there are lots of data out there although you know data is kind of i don't know who to, who to believe these days right but there's a lot of data out there about how particularly for older people you know it can be pretty pretty rough can damage they're talking about referring to it more as a heart ailment than a Mm -hmm. lung ailment these days because of the damage it does to some people's hearts so i'm not i'm not i'm not of the it's just a bad flu camp but um i think i think everyone's holding out for a magic of a um uh, of a vaccine and I got to tell you, I don't know. I don't know. The vaccine is it's risky because if the vaccine doesn't work too well, it's going to contribute to more spread. Because the false sense of security to me is the most dangerous thing that there is in, in many cases, right? Really? You know, it's like there's an old economics argument that says um, that airbags and seatbelts don't help at all. Uh, because what happens is if you have an airbag and a seatbelt, you just drive more dangerously. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you, you get the same outcome if you had a big giant spear a chest height coming out from your steering wheel because then you drive really carefully because you don't want to sudden stop and skewer yourself like a frankenfurter, right? So my concern is that, you know, if they say, oh, we've got this, this vaccine and they, they start hitting people with all this vaccine, then people are going to be like, woohoo, no masks. Maybe I don't need to wash my hands anymore. I can go back to the way things were. And if it doesn't play out that way, then the vaccine is going to facilitate the spread of the virus in a way and or uh, people are going to be like woohoo it does it does deal with version 22 of this virus and then bing 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 here comes version 23 <laughs>
1: exactly next season you're back at it well it may not even but, next uh, season right right but in what you're saying you're, you're totally correct because i work with a bunch of guys in their 20s And I have no idea how they're dealing with this. If I was in a one bedroom apartment just rotting away, like a lot of them are, um, I I would probably have those suicidal thoughts, too. That sounds terrible. And um, it's it's super rough. But like I said, I feel like I have survivor's guilt because I have a good patch of land. I can walk around, you know, I can get out of the house and not have to worry about it too much. So it hasn't been too bad for me, thankfully. But a lot of people, it's just been terrible.
0: Do you have uh, lonely friends?
1: I think so. Um, you I, think I so? Ask. What kind of friend are you?
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, you know, it's only been six months. I'm sure I can check out with them at some point next year. Oh,
1: I keep my distance, Stefan, you know. No, but you can call <laughs> them.
0: <laughs> How you doing, right?
1: Uh, I, I don't know. That might violate some uh, paranoia they may have. But um, yeah, I... I t- it, it seems like it, in that they use apps and things like that. I don't directly ask, "Are you lonely?" <laughs> that seems uh, like a, a strange question to ask a male friend, but um, how, how are you doing
0: Yeah, how are you doing emotionally? Come on, break through the testosterone barrier. It won't
1: yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe because you're right. here's the thing too,
0: like you're home alone, right And what are you What are you doing? Well, you're, you're cranking up the social media, you're cranking up Netflix or Prime or Crave or whatever, right. And, right. and what are you watching? You're watching all these people out there having fun in the sun with not not a mask inside. You know, it's like it's it's literally like like putting somebody in prison and then showing them, you know, nature documentaries. You know, here's what life looks like when you're not in prison. Because you know, art has not adapted, and I don't know what the hell's going to happen to movies and books and and all of that Um, because. You're going to have to integrate this kind of stuff going forward. You can't just right. – I, I mean, you guess you could, but it would be kind of weird. But then, of course, people are worried that if they make a movie with people in masks, kind of tough to act, kind of tough to film. And um, it's really dated if it ends up being solved in a year or whatever, right? So that's that's a big problem. But, yeah, everybody's watching, everybody not – have masks, not be not having to social distance, not having to wash their hands every twenty minutes like Howard Hughes, and and that's kind of torture, right? Which is there's a virus out there, and all we're going to show you is lots of people having fun where there's no virus. I mean, that's wrong. I think
1: the opposite's more depressing to me. All the commercials here, including the ones that I've shot, people have to be in masks, and we're acknowledging that this is happening. So. Uh, that that's even more depressing in my opinion but uh from a film standpoint now now
0: all the actors with bad teeth can finally get work (laughs) they have really great voices but they've got like the snaggletooth broken tombyard broken gravestone tombyard teeth situation and now they can finally get their jobs
1: we've been hiring all the brits lately
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's right i mean the the webcam industry is way up but the um uh, the braces industry is completely collapsed because nobody needs good teeth anymore right
1: (laughs) But yes, the film industry is is kind of limping along, but it's an insurance nightmare because uh you saw maybe with Batman where Robert Pattinson got COVID and he had to shut the whole production down. Now, out. did he or,
0: I'd heard that, that was a they heard someone on the set got COVID and they kind of jumped to him.
1: Oh, I heard that he did, but um, I'm not sure. I, I know that on shoots that I've worked on, and I think that I actually got COVID from a shoot uh, that I was directing. And and my kind of running theory is that a lot of these actors are really you know, scrounging for work right now. And if you get a job, you might have the sniffles and just think, man, I need this money. So I, I think somebody I worked with probably had it and just didn't disclose or didn't want to know and just kind of canceled it out of their mind. But um, yeah, it's, it's hard out there in the, the film industry for sure right now.
0: So, Tom, did you hear about the Tom Cruise story? I did not. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, let's, you know, let's just abandon all concern with health and just go straight to TMZ gossip. All right. <laughs> So Tom Cruise is shelling out some of his own cash to help ensure that the production on the new Mission Impossible can go on amid the COVID-19 pandemic. So what he's done is he's chartered two cruise ships, right? And, and, you know, if, if you really want to go, go cheap sailing these days, a, a cruise ship is the way to go because it's not like they've got a whole lot of other stuff going on, right? <laughs> so what he's done is he's rented or chartered two cruise ships that is going to house both the cast and the crew of Mission Impossible 7 while filming. So they're hoping they're just going to create this this bubble. You know, like no wow. one goes in, no one goes out. Everybody just works on the movie, right? And so, yeah, that is the case. He's got, he's got Tom Cruise is renting two cruise ships, so I guess that's a three-cruise movie. <laughs> uh, and um, one of them's 530 passengers. It's not one of these giant ones, right? One's 530 passengers, the other one's 490. I'm not going to try and pronounce the... Uh, uh, the names, but uh, yeah, that's his. Uh, yeah, every uh, everyone is reported is tested for COVID nineteen twice within forty eight hours after arriving for work, and uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the plan. I mean, I don't know how it's... So I guess you go into town to vote. I mean, to 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 shoot because they can't be doing all of that on the ship, right? I mean, Tom Cruise with his legs pumping, movie right, star style, I can like, cover that whole ship in probably about four point nine seconds.
1: But, um, I mean, that's a great idea if, unless you have two false negatives, like I saw in my office, and then you have that person in close quarters on a cruise ship, and everybody's screwed, right?
0: Oh, hold on a sec. I got Tom Cruise on the other line saying, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> 700. I just went and spent $700,000, and there are false negatives. <laughs> oh, he said something very rude that I'm not going to pass along to you.
1: Oh, shit. There's a Scientology guy at the door. Hold on a sec. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm sure he'll give you a pamphlet. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I I, I think it's going to sink into our general style of life. Um, I think it's very possible that the mask thing is just going to become an E-Day Fix, like it's just going to become sort of an OCD thing that that doesn't go away. Um, if there is some magic vaccine that doesn't cause a lot of side effects that, you know, of course, is you know, in the States, even more so than Canada, there's a lot of people who are like, vaccine over my dead body and probably would go halfway to fulfilling that. So, yeah, it's going to be... Um, it's going to be tough, and it may very well be just as it was in Hong Kong that right. there's before and there's after. Before people in Hong Kong didn't really wear masks before SARS round one in o two o three, and then they wear masks, and that's just right, the that's thing a you big do.
1: thing. And right, it's big in Asian culture overall. I grew up with Koreans, I had a Korean stepmom, and um, there's always this kind of uh, people in her family would wear masks out in public, and there was always this kind of Weird. I guess you want to call it prejudice against Asian people with masks as if they're hiding something. And I I wanted to ask you the question why you think some people are so violently against masks. I have some theories, but I don't totally get it. I think maybe it's just railing against uh, government control in some kind of way. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I mean... It is. I mean, I've seen it in in very extreme ways, which I don't agree with. But I'll just pass them along. That people are saying, well, it's like wearing, making the Jews wear the Star of David on their shoulder, and it's a mask of it, it's a it's a uh, mark of submission. It's it's control. It's this. It's that. The other. And it's like, listen, I'm 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 a big one for metaphors, analogies, and symbols. But you know, the the mask is not 1984. Um, right. There's a lot of other stuff that's going on with the government that's pretty, pretty nasty. Uh, the mask thing, um, I don't I don't view it that way. So I do think there are a lot of people who are like, okay, well, where do I draw the line with creeping government power? How about when I don't have a face and every day is Halloween? You know, like, is that is that a place where I can draw a line? Like most people who wait too long to draw a line, when they do draw a line, it tends to be a little arbitrary and a little hysterical. And again, I, I do say that with all due respect to the people who have concerns about government overreach. Well, government itself is overreach, but government overreach with regards to the pandemic. Yeah, it's been, it's been tough. And, and that's to some degree because it is an election year. You know, of, of all the times when—I don't want to get all into politics because it's not really my beat anymore, but right. of, of all the times to get this damn thing— to get it during an election year when the media would throw everything they can at Trump. You know, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, so Trump, he's an optimist. He did downplay the severity of the virus, which to some degree has been played out, right? I mean, there's the old joke. is like, uh, I tell you the joke about COVID, but you've got a 99.8, there's a 99.82 chance you won't get it, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, ba-dum-bum, right? So... Uh, yeah, Trump was pretty optimistic. And um, but you had people, obviously, Nancy Pelosi saying, yeah, go eat in Chinatown. Go have a great time, you know? Like, right. And then you had the media not saying boo to any of the BLM rallies, the massive rallies and so on. But then the moment a couple of bikers get together to share a lager, suddenly it's uh, the Black Plague all over again, right? <laughs> so unfortunately, people just aren't getting a lot of good information. There's a lot of fear-mongering. And that's partly just because... People will check in with the media if they're scared of stuff. So it's um, money, uh, and and most of the mainstream media, because there's there was at least until relatively recently competition like me, which was getting more eyeballs than many of the mainstream media outlets. But also, now that the pandemic is is underway, uh, advertising uh, if revenues have collapsed in a, in a lot of places. People just aren't advertising for a lot of stuff that people aren't buying or using. And I think of like travel ads or whatever it is, car ads. People aren't doing as much of that, uh, vacation ads and all that. And so the media is, yeah, they're ginning it up just because it's the media, but they're also ginning it up because they want coronavirus to look as bad as possible so they can use it to a Trump with, which to me is really, it's a pretty terrible thing to do to scare the hell out of people for political purposes. But, you know, wouldn't be the first time, wouldn't be the last time. And so then as i said before you know if biden gets in uh, then um uh, it, it's going to be amazing how quickly things are going to turn around and people <laughs> won't, won't even remember what was, uh, oh. what was what was so bad
1: yeah we'll have uh, a new kind of pandemonium to worry about at that point i'm, I'm sure
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah well then the china virus is socialism not not uh, a mere coronavirus right uh best analogy does underwear prevent you from smelling my farts oh yeah for the mask yeah i get that um I, I I don't smell anything. <laughs> so uh, somebody says here, there was no rise in cases in South Dakota two weeks after Stugis or Stugis. Sorry, I don't know what that means, but that probably makes uh, something, uh, probably makes a lot more sense to, uh, uh, to people than it does to me. In UK, they haven't said how many recovered for months and there's a large white medical tent 180 feet away. Yeah, no, I, I drove past a hospital the other day and nobody was lining up to get uh, tested. Um Without without a doubt, I mean, social media plus pandemic is is a bad combo, right? Um, as you know, there was um, a bad flu in the in the '60s uh, that killed lots of people. There was a swine flu infected what forty fifty million Americans uh, under Obama, and you know, so we've just got so much information flowing across our fingertips at the moment that it's really hard to look at this statistically you know every every death is a tragedy and i'm i'm fully aware of that but as a society or as societies we need to make decisions based upon averages rather than individuals right totally and we just we've lost the capacity to do that because everything's become so personalized and so what happens is the media starts off with you know so and so thought that they would get over this Coronavirus relatively quickly, but now they're on the third month of struggling to get upstairs, and it's person 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 person, and it's like you know that's important, you know the long haulers that's a big deal that we really need to figure out and understand, but you can't make decisions about whether we have an economy based upon one person not being able to get upstairs or ten or a thousand or five thousand people being unable to get upstairs because if you don't have an economy, well uh, it's you know people are going to start running out of food at some point, and so we, But we don't have the capacity. We don't have a – I think Trump could lead the country there, but the media has just become so – I mean, they really have been since even before he got in. But this year in particular, they've gone so crazy on Trump that for Trump to give a leadership speech, you know, which would – I won't give it here, but it would be something like, yeah. You know, we got kind of shafted by China there. You know, they, they let this thing get out into the wild. They didn't tell people about it. They disappeared doctors. They downplayed it. And it arose 400 feet from a bioweapons lab. So we don't know what the hell's going on because they destroyed all the evidence. So we kind of got shafted here. And it's a bad situation and it's a bad scene and we can't wish it away. We can't make it go away magically. There may be a vaccine. There may not be a vaccine. The vaccine will have some level of effectiveness. It might have side effects. These are all things because, you know, if you could do a vaccine in six months, why the hell does it take 10 years normally? Now, 10 years is too long. Six months may be too short, but we'll see. But what we need to do as a society is we need to be personally responsible. We need to really work to control the spread. But we can't let China kill our economy, you know, the economy that took 350 years or 450 years to build up the economy that, you know, people died to build railroads, people died to build the roads, you know, slaves were unjustly imprisoned and, and forced to work. And, and, you know, we have so much sacrifice that's gone into building these great societies that we have that we can't let a virus from China utterly undo all of this economy that we have because we need the economy to keep the lights on. We need the economy to keep the medicine flowing. We need the economy so doctors can get to work and farmers can get out into their fields and food can get to your table. And yeah, there is going to be some really unpleasant things ahead of us and we can look and we can turn and blame each other. And that's not going to help anything. In fact, it's just going to make it worse. We know who's Uh, the cause of this. We know who's responsible for this. And so turning on each other is not what we need to do. Yes, I know it's an election year, but let's try and put human life above electioneering and let's recognize that if we crater our economy, it's going to cost far more lives than it's going to save. And the time where we could just make easy decisions and just print or borrow, print money or borrow our way out of every difficulty, that is not the case here. We can't use the Federal Reserve to print money to erase COVID-19 from the air and so we have something we can't wish away we can't turn on each other because that's frankly just what the Chinese leaders would want and there is going to be some suffering and the only way we can avoid the more obvious suffering is far more spread out and diffuse suffering and the life of the person who can't get his cancer screening, who ends up dying from it, is just as valuable. In fact, it may be more so than the uh, old obese person who's got a lot of comorbidities, who maybe hasn't taken the best care of their health. And we do have to focus on the sustainability of our society and simply cratering our economy uh, for the sake of this virus is a very, very bad option. And we're going to have to grit our teeth and we're just going to have to walk our way through the storm. We're going to lose some people, but we will emerge on the other side as strong as we can be. And uh, you don't uh, you don't set fire to your car because you need to change an air filter. And so, uh, you know, something like that. You need a leadership speech like that. Obviously not that exactly, but something like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, Trump puts that out to people or someone and then all that happens is... Uh, I don't know the media is like Trump celebrates death <laughs> you know for the <laughs> sake of re-election you know it they'll just completely right. right
1: twist it right you can say nothing and as fortunately a lot of people um I don't think want to see us recover and that sounds crazy but nope. I've 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 been in the film industry for you know 12 years and uh I've lived my whole life basically around leftists and um I know them well and I have conversations with very intelligent leftists regularly And uh, we'll have these kind of tough conversations. And one of my good friends who's a leftist was always joking around about, you know, you just want to see the country burn down. This is why you have these uh, anarchist kind of views and blah, blah, blah. And I would be like, whatever. okay, that's the end of the conversation when you bring it to that spot. But now that the country is literally burning down, he's openly praising it and saying, this is great. Yeah, burn the whole thing down. He, He openly said this to me. And I was, I was like, do you not get the irony that you're celebrating the country burning down for years? You've joked that I wanted to see that. And he was like, well, the system's broken, so we need to destroy it. And I'm like, we're almost on the same page, but you're, you're t- coming about it in a super immoral way.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's funny who ends up being the accelerationist, right? It's not, right. It's not you. It's, it's your friend. So what I've analogized it to, if that's a word, is if there's some great grandmother you hate who's going to leave you a million dollars and she's really ill and dying and then she gets better she rallies i mean you know i guess part of you is like yeah well i guess she's getting better that's a good thing but part of you is like oh i was so close to that million dollars could have got it (laughs) now she's getting better and and so for the people who want the existing system to fail, and look, the existing system is going to fail no matter whether it's coronavirus or not. The existing system is going to fail no matter what, because violence doesn't work to solve problems except immediate self-defense. So yeah, the system's going to fail, and whether that sooner or later, you know, demographically speaking, there's an argument for sooner is better. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of people lining up, uh, cheering the demise of this uh, existing system. Let me just ask you. Um, I guess i ask you what you think. This is an interesting question. It's come off uh, one of the servers. Do you think there will be negative repercussions for workers who refuse to come back into the office? I'm already starting to see a dynamic form in my office. The ones who are still willing to come in and be visible are starting to become the more trusted in our group. And I get the sense that a lot of confidence has been lost, especially the younger workers who refused to come into the office. That's kind of funny because young younger people seem to have less short-term serious issues, uh, especially if they don't have right the comorbidities have you have you seen anything like that like the the, the, you know the old cliche in the movie there's two kinds of people in this world son you know the people who will come back to work and the people who won't i know here in canada you don't really have much of a legal leg to stand on as far as i know i'm not a lawyer but as far as i've read uh if the boss wants you to come back into work uh, and have you noticed that divide where you are
1: i've seen it both ways interestingly where um i'm in a very competitive industry so before the pandemic uh there was this kind of environment of you need to be in the office hours past when you're supposed to be basically just be there and just live there. And there's people who almost live at the office. So um, I, I know that that's prevalent in a lot of different industries. So that's, that's gone away, thankfully. And that um, if people want to work from home half the time or work from home a good bit, nobody's judged from that. There's not an internal kind of Strange hierarchy if that makes sense, but um, I have noticed like I go into the office sometimes people who never come in at all It's it's just it's, it's not that they're looked down upon but they just don't enter into your mind at all Like you don't think to message them about a project or anything like that. They just they've turned into a weird ghost just like a, uh, a computer that might move you know, you walk <laughs> right. past an office and see them like remoting in it just seems like a ghost is there so it, They kind of become deep personified if that is the correct word,
0: right? I, um, I, I think there's going to be a time where, I mean, people are. It's like an elastic band, right? So people are still waiting for things to return to normal. I mean, part of me is waiting. I, I still, I, when I dream at night, people aren't wearing masks, and <laughs> you know what that means is that I'm not adjusting, <laughs> as yet. Um, maybe, maybe they do in your <laughs> pimp my ride shows, but. Um, <laughs> No, people, uh, in my dreams, they're not wearing masks, and the things that I I used to do, like in Canada, we call it the toodle. I mean, not in Canada, but in my household in Canada, we call it the toodle, which is, you know, you're sick and tired of being at home, and so you don't really have anything to buy from the mall, but what you'll do is you'll just head to the mall, and you'll just have a stroll around. You know, you maybe pick up a coffee, you'll check out the toy store, see if there's anything, pick up a jigsaw puzzle or whatever it is, right? Maybe you grab a bit of lunch, and maybe you'll grab, I don't know, something from the soap store or whatever, right? And it's not, it's not like any kind of crucial thing, but it's just a way to not be in the house, to, to walk around. And I've been to a mall this year twice, (laughs) twice, because man, it's not fun. No. I mean, the mask, here's the thing too, right? So I don't, I don't use glasses. I don't wear glasses when I'm sort of roaming around. I just need reading glasses, right? It's a fifties thing, right? And... But but if I'm in a store and I want to read something in the store, or something on the label, something in the package, you can put my glasses on and then I don't know, people have like the mask, right? And I have the mask on and then the the all of the vapor or all of this the mugginess from my nose goes up into my glasses and fogs them up. Right. So it's like, well that's that's not really very right. much fun now, is it? And so I'm like, here, what's the sugar content on this, my daughter? Read for daddy, <laughs> like I'm an old guy with no glasses. So it's this just not going out. very enjoyable, and that's really tough on the store owners. And the store owners have responded. Like I was in a mall the other day, and what used to be called Radio Shack and now it's called the Source. Uh, they close early. You know, the malls are closing early because nobody's really showing up for recreational mauling, so to speak. I mean, I guess you know, if you, I got to go to my optometrist every two years, so I'll go to the mall for that. You know, or I've got to go and pick something up, uh, and and I'll go to the mall for that. But this sort of just randomy morley stuff that's that seems to be gone uh, for the most part cuz it's just not really very nice you just you feel like you're breathing in your own face <laughs> ass farting so to speak all day it's just really not very nice
1: well, interacting with people just doesn't seem very nice anymore i don't know if it was the same experience in canada but here when we first started to lock things down, everybody had this kind of attitude of we're in this together. Everybody was super nice. They're all walking around the neighborhood. Everybody would wave at you. And uh, they, was, they still didn't mind getting close to you and talking to you and saying, hey, this is crazy, right? Uh, cut to maybe a month later and people won't go near you. They won't even look at you. And I think that's part of why some people have an adverse reaction to the mask to, to the degree that they do, because it basically, cuts out your socialization you can't really read people people talk to me and you know, i don't know English. there's more than one person you know i can't make that like cocktail connection so it's uh well it's, yeah and it's, it's, it's weird strange. Too
0: because everyone's behind these masks so whenever i go to the mall i spend half my day going what sorry what <laughs> <Yes>. pardon me <laughs> so, you know i can't hear what they, i got my mask on stretching my ears out there if they've got a mask on there's a plexiglass between us and so basically everyone's just Become become old guy, hard of hearing with a big <laughs> Victrola earpiece. You know, like I mean, that's you become Mr. Magoo of the of the ears because you can't hear anything. And it is kind of You it is kind of weird that I'm I, I'm just around a, a set of floating eyeballs. You know, like it's really kind of strange. <laughs> it's hard to read people. People are pointing that out in the chat. It's kind of hard to read people, and especially when you can't hear them that well and you know, I can't imagine what it's like to be behind a counter, behind plexiglass, and everyone all... Like, for me, I'm like, excuse me, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear, but what was that? And then they, they get this all day long, all day long. And then there's the question of, okay, what do I do if somebody comes in who doesn't have a mask? Like, every now and then, you'll see someone who doesn't have a mask, and... Um, it's an interesting question, you know. I mean, what I, I'm I'm ambivalent about them, so I don't know. But I mean, I'll I'll do it. I mean, it's the law, and and again, you know, people are freaking out, and you kind of have to roll a little bit with the the fears of of the masses and so on. But yeah, I mean, if you work in some place, you may have a pretty positive obligation to try and deal with this, and then you're going to get a big argument about the scandemic from somebody who's watched a whole bunch of videos, right? <laughs>
1: That's, yeah, that's hilarious. That's exactly what happened to me. Um, I was waiting in line to go to Costco when this was around the time that this was first kicking off. And um, they, a bunch of people would gather right when it opened. So you get in there before everybody gets their germs over everything before we knew about surface transmission and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was in front of, or I was behind this guy. Uh, at the front of the line who's wearing an info war shirt and he immediately turned around to me and says you know this is all bullshit right this is the whole thing is bullshit and he just started going through it and I'm like hey man maybe I don't know but those people are definitely out there one of them being uh, my wife who hates wearing the masks and can't exactly explain why but it's funny when we go into stores and people just freak out like ma'am ma'am you have to wear the mask she had COVID as well. She has antibodies. So she's not actually giving it to anybody, but I'm like, people are freaking out. Like you don't, there's no easy way to explain it unless you had a t-shirt that says I had, I have antibodies. So you just, I I continue to do it even though I have them as well. Just so people don't freak out. All right. I have
0: antibodies. So forget about me not wearing the mask. I'll charge you 18 bucks to spit in your ear.
1: That's what I was thinking. There's all kinds of great businesses that you could start off of this. I was. Thinking I will I'd lick your a...
0: child, Biden style. <laughs>
1: <laughs> get a couple of guys together um, that also have antibodies and start like a male stripper group, and you don't have to worry about getting anything from us. Go to bachelorette parties and stuff. It's a it could be a great little side hustle.
0: Now, I guess the last topic I wanted to. I appreciate your time tonight, but the last topic I think it's worth chatting about is. I don't know how, I don't know, I, I veer Old Testament, New Testament stuff is is const, on constant rotation in my brain. <laughs> and so, you know, my whole life, I've, I've been kind of the responsible one, you know, like everybody has their role in the family. And I'm always the one like, do we need to buy this? And for my friends, who particularly when I was younger, I was like, they did. They didn't. I didn't know they just Money runs through their fingers for for some of them, right? And and I'm always, I was always like, you know, man, save your money. And he's like, yeah, but inflation is like, yeah, yeah. And I get that. You know, I'm not saying just put your money under the mattress, but you know, just ha- have some savings, for God's sakes, you know. And and maybe that's just growing up poor or whatever it is. But um, so a lot of people I know don't don't have much savings, and that anxiety, the 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 economic anxiety, is not something that people have talked about much. Everyone thinks the anxiety is all about the virus and there is that of course but people are like you know am i am i going to get to keep my house am i going to get to have a roof over my head come 2 months from now i'm i'm out of money and you know government stuff is slow and it maybe doesn't cover the bills and you know it's not like you can get a lot of side hustles going on at the moment in this kind of economy even the gig economy is is uh, rough in a lot of places i guess particularly california but it's not just the money it's that there is no substitute for family, for marriage. It's kind of a cliche, right? I mean, so, you know, if you just had a girlfriend and you got sick, there wouldn't be nobody coming over to put chicken soup on your chest, right? Totally. I mean, your your wife is in there, right? I mean, she's, she's committed, she's in there, and girlfriends, you know, especially if you're not living together, um, it's, you know, I love you, but if you've got COVID... <laughs> I will send you my very best thoughts, you know, from a uh, an appropriately safe distance. But you you just don't have anybody who's kind of in your corner in that really committed way. And I think that the value of marriage, lifelong commitments, are really it's really becoming apparent during this time. Because if you're a single person, and, you know, I, I've been talking about this for months on my show, just saying to people, like, if you know single people, know lonely people, please give them a call, ask them how they're doing. doesn't have to get all touchy-feely. doesn't have to be an Iron John weekend encounter session, but, you know, just, it's, it's rough, you know? Like, I mean, we're not designed for solitary lives. And a lot of people would get their socializing from, you know, it's funny, I, I don't, I've never really suffered from loneliness, <laughs> way too many people in my head. But I remember when I got tired of, I just felt a little isolated. Isolated I felt, lonely I haven't. So when I used to write, uh, I'm just reading this novel that I wrote like 20 years ago. It's a huge book, and I, I think it's really great. Uh, people can get it if they want at uh, fdrurl.com forward slash almost. But when I was writing that, so I, I'd be in the library doing research for for hours and hours and hours, and then I'd be writing for hours, and I'd be like working on this book, you know, four, six, eight hours a day. And a lot of that was really solitary work. So what I used to do was I would just go to a local coffee shop, and I would just, I put my headphones on, and I'd just sit and write. And it's funny because it actually, because I didn't feel lonely, it wouldn't have helped with loneliness. Uh, It doesn't help. But if you're feeling a little isolated, being around people doesn't like, it does it does solve that. So being around people solves feelings of isolation, but it doesn't really solve feelings of loneliness. In fact, being around people can make feelings of loneliness work because you see all these people who are friends with each other and you're lonely and, you know, like it's like if you uh, don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you see, you know, the couples, endless couples around in the world, you know, back when you could. Um, but I would just be able to go to a coffee shop and I was saving my money, so I would just, you get a good cafe Americano, you can keep filling it up with hot water and you do pretty well. And that was nice, and I think it would it would have been tough to not you know to work on this book for month after month without much human contact at all it would have been kind of strange, but it was nice just being in the coffee shop, just being around people, and that's been cut off, and that 's a right. huge, huge thing for us i 'm not saying it 's fatal, but it's like reminds me of those Romanian orphanage babies under Ceausescu because you know he banned abortion, and then they were a lot of unwanted babies. And these babies, even though they were fed, they were, you know, they had water, they had food, they they had good temperatures, they had cl- uh, clothing, they had uh, beds, blankets, they died. They just, they just died because they didn't have any human contact. And again, I know that that's babies, it's a different matter, but I think that it's, um, I hope that what people get out of this is, please, for the love of all that's holy, find someone you love, find someone who loves you, stick with that person, and then you'll wake up from a 22-hour coma with some chicken soup on your chest rather than a couple of messages (laughs) on your text, which isn't going to do you much good. Does that that make sense? Do do you know what I mean?
1: That was my sentiment exactly after I came out of this, where um, a lot of these same friends that I was telling you about, um, they're in one-bedroom apartments, and they might have a girlfriend or a date off of Tinder or whatever. And um, as I've gotten a little bit older and feel more confident talking about these things with people, I don't ask them (laughs) outright, are you lonely? But I will say, like so how'd that date go like what would you like about her blah 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 and it's always like super shallow and i've started being more aggressive to the point where they make fun of me about saying stuff like hey man you need to get serious with your life like you're you're getting older especially female friends that i have who are just kind of pussing around with this whole process of like once you lock this down everything else is so much easier if you're trying to do things out of order like some friends like Get a house or whatever. It's so it's so much easier if you're doing this together and you can make these decisions and, and build build something beyond yourself, you know. And you're not doing that if you're just messing around on tender. And uh, my generation, unfortunately, is kind of brainwashed into thinking that they have infinite time. Obviously, they do not. And uh, I'm sure that they had some kind of realization when they were stuck in their apartments, quarantining and whatever else, because uh, I mean. One thing I always say is, even if you're not religious, maybe go to a church group, Bible study. Do you like literature? Go to a Bible study. Maybe you'll learn something, meet somebody of quality, because you're not going to meet them on Tinder or at a bar. And uh, I know there's limited options. That's the best one I can think of. But uh, no advice was taken. So I felt like I had another I told you so moment. <laughs> yeah. And I,
0: you know, I sometimes wish I was more of a jerk. I know that for some people that may come as a shock. but No, because you know I, I'm very bad at I told you so because it just feels like such a dick move. but right. um, And I don't take satisfaction because, you know, you don't want to be right about these things. I don't take satisfaction in it, but it is kind of playing out. Like people who didn't save their money, people who didn't invest in relationships, especially the perfectionists. You know, like the people who are like, well, it's like the Jerry Seinfeld thing. And there's always something wrong with the woman, you know, she's too short, she's, she's got a bit of a high voice, you know, she laughs funny, you know, she, she, she doesn't know uh, Dickens very well, whatever it is, right? And, and it's like, okay, great, you know, you've now perfected yourself into atomic, depressed isolation. And uh, people That's saying there really are quality women at church. That is, you know, that is very true. That is, if I was a single guy, um, and I had the choice between going to uh, the atheist meetup and the Christian meetup, uh I'm turning right at the cross. Thank you very much uh, because um, uh, yeah, that's there are a lot of quality women uh, at, right at and you church.
1: want to find women who uh, have a good relationship with their dads and you'll find that at the church
0: right e- e- even if it's the, the the Bible dad, you know it's still right. a better relationship for sure. Um, so yeah,' that's a reminder to the listeners as well like I mean, use this time. Uh, you know, build up your skills, the economy will come back, and uh I mean, it already is in, in many places, but uh, m- more important even than the money and and skills, uh, you know, just – this is like a warning shot for old age because, you know, there's nothing more depressing to me at least. You know, I was, I was seeing some show years ago where there were big outbreaks of herpes at the old age home because, you know, <laughs> the old people were just banging like a bunch of coked up rabbits in, in their little right. isolated – Uh, old age home and it's like "Mm, uh, that's a a handful of pills and a wrinkly bang you know that's just not a good way (laughs) to go out and and it's rough this is a you know when you get old and like i'm talking 60s 70s you know because old used to mean something different for me now i'm probably old to you but but when you get old uh no one's going to care about you you know, you're young, you're hot, especially for women. You know, yeah, you're going to get a lot of attention. Yeah, congratulations. There's such a thing as hormones you're surfing on that you didn't invent and guys want to get something from you that you didn't earn. And so, yeah, you'll get a lot of attention. But COVID, where you're like, wow, that's a whole lot of time. It's a whole lot of me time. A whole lot of time with just me, myself, and I. Well, that's this is a shot across the bows of what old age looks like for a lot of people. And that's pretty rough. And that's pretty, and, and by that time... You know, it's kind of too late, you know. I, I hate that sort of too late thing, but it really, really does happen that there's uh, there's that tipping point where you get too old, too set in your ways, you're too depressed, you're too anxious, you don't have the skills of a relationship. You know, if you're alone and then you, you know, let's say you want to date someone, you, you spent most of your life alone and you're like 50 and you date you date someone who's been married for 20 years, they get, I mean, marriage may have failed, maybe the person died or whatever, but they still have 20 years of experience in something you don't have, which is a long-term relationship. And, you know, it's really, really tough to to compete. And they're going to look at you like, well, wait, why is this a big deal? or Whatever, right? Or oh, why is this not a big deal? So, yeah, let the pandemic, you know, I'm always a big one for trying to get whatever gold you can out of the shitstorm of 2020. And I think the pandemic is, you know, like, save your money. If you, if you ever get your hands on a dollar <laughs> again, hang on to that thing as best you can because life throws these kinds of curveballs. And also, man, just invest in your relationships, because you need people in your corner when uh, life gets, uh, gets pretty pretty wild, as it is at the moment. Sorry, I'll, I'll give you the last Absolutely. last thoughts if you want, and I appreciate your time tonight.
1: Um, I think we covered pretty much everything I, I had laid out here to talk about. I really appreciate your time, all the listeners.
0: Now look at that. You made it through. <laughs> I did. No wheezing. You know, If I had been on your end, I'd have just gone radio silent for a while. <laughs> <laughs> said oh no relatives sent me back i can finish the show but then after that yeah
1: know. well you might be able to hear my voice to some degree but um it's not as robust
0: as i'm used to at least the first time we chatted so yeah that's the case
1: yeah well maybe my testosterone's gone down as well i've heard that there's a uh, fertility damage potentially so i don't know maybe maybe well, you gonna, are you know. in the
0: arts so being yeah, a lot happens. of lefties is basically a testosterone stripper as far as i understand it
1: Hey, if they can turn the frogs gay, they can probably <laughs> right. lower my fertility a little That's bit. That's
0: right. Well, listen. First, so first of all, thank thank you for your time. Uh, I know it's it's a little tough when you're under the weather, but uh, I did want to get people. I mean, it's good good topic to talk about. I did want to get people to you who don't know someone who's had it and had it fairly bad for your age group. Uh, to, to hear sort of what it's like, maybe take some of the mystique or, or some of the, I mean, take some of the more remote anecdotes out of it. It's an anecdote that's a little closer to home for the listeners to this show. Uh, that's number one. And um, uh, number two, of course, really, really appreciate your work for the show. It's been great. And, uh, you know, the work that you've done has just really, really helped improve things uh, enormously. And, um, yeah, keep, keep me posted and I guess I'll post updates uh, and um, uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll get better. And, you know, other thing I want to say. Okay, money, relationships, and health. For God's sakes, people, invest in your health. Exercise, eat well, keep uh, keep your weight down, whatever you need to do. Because, you know, when COVID shows up, uh, unless you have, you know, roommates like back fat and... <laughs> <laughs> high blood sugar or hypertension or whatever pretty much you're okay so uh, make yeah. those investments in your money make those investments in your relationships and please God above make those relationships in your health because you know Jeff had it pretty bad but he's shaking it off pretty quickly and I think that has entirely it's like what they said when I had cancer they're, they're like uh, you know uh, I'm like well I seem to be shaking this off pretty well and it's like well yeah welcome to working out for 30 years dude
1: <laughs> that's what it
0: did for you right I mean you can shake it off and i
1: right. like, thing, like sorry to interrupt there you me. go oh is uh vitamin D sun exposure getting a lot of sun is really helpful um everybody who's gotten really bad cases of covid um has had uh, vitamin D deficiencies so that's an important thing like also inflammatory foods like breads and sugars not helpful at all so avoiding those things and getting a lot of sunlight is supposed to be pretty helpful but this is coming from the guy who got it pretty bad so well you know.
0: but who this is the old the road less traveled right who knows how it would have gone if you hadn't been taking you out that totally. way for sure, for sure. Yeah, get your weight down, uh, exercise, whatever you can do to improve. And you can just Google this, right? And, and go to wrap your resources. Stuff that helps boost your immune system is really, really important. Although, I guess there is always that cytokine storm or whatever it is that when well, your immune system goes all Jim Carrey on you, but. Um... <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, thanks, uh, Jeff. A really, really great chat. I appreciate that. Thanks to the listeners, freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show. And of course, although I know it's a bit more exciting now than it was a couple of months ago, like, share and subscribe as uh, best you can. Uh, And um, we'll talk to you soon and uh, have yourselves a, a great, great night. Take care.